Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. If you would, go ahead and grab your Bible. And like for real this time, if you don't mind, grab your Bible, whether it's a physical Bible or whether it is just your phone. I want you, because I want you to highlight this verse, because this verse has been really stunk in my spirit, and it's a verse that we're going to jump off of every single week for the next few weeks, and it's on Isaiah chapter 32, verse 18. So go ahead and grab your Bible, because I want you to highlight it. I want you to underline it. I want you to tattoo it on your leg. I, I don't know, because I, I want you to lean into this verse, and I'm just going to be honest with you today. I don't know that I'm going to preach as much as I'm just going to talk to you for a second. Is that okay? Um, I, had, I realized in the last 24 hours uh, that I had two sermons prepared, and I'm going to go about halfway through today, and then we're going to pick up next week. And I don't know that I'm really going to teach and as much as just, I hope, stir up a conversation. Because uh, I want us to wrestle with the question for the next several weeks that you maybe would rather not wrestle with. It's perhaps one that, that you've been trying with everything in you to avoid for the last, especially, year and a half. And I'm gonna go ahead and say, throughout this series, there's gonna be time when we lean into some stuff, and you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna be tempted to think, that, that's not for me, because I'm not in that position in life, but can I just get you to believe that everything that we're gonna talk about over the next several weeks, no matter where you are in life, is universal principles that you need to hold on to and file away because there will come a moment when you need them even though you don't think you need them in the immediate. And here's my question. How are things at home? Told you. How are things at home? I know I can I, I feel the, the tension in the room as soon as I asked the question in first service, and I somewhat feel it now. And I don't know what home looks like for you. I understand that there are all kinds of different homes that are represented in this room. And I don't know if, if and I'm not talking about like your decor. Okay? I don't mean like if your wife is like my wife and you're just, she watches so much HGTV, you're wondering when is it going to pop off and we're going to change everything. I'm not talking about do you have a farmhouse look, okay? I saw a bunch of people looking at like, that's you. The sports center instead of HGTV one day, okay? How are things at home? No matter what home looks like. And I'm not talking about the structure. I'm not, I'm not, and it doesn't matter if you're married, single, if you have kids, or if you don't, if it's just you and the dog. I don't, like, how are things at home? Because you know what we discovered during the pandemic is for most people, the answer is not very good. Uh, you probably saw the headlines, but I've done the research. Of all the things that boiled to the surface during the pandemic, we didn't really know how things were at home until we were forced inside them for a few months. And when we were forced inside them, the distraction could no longer keep us from the dysfunction that existed within the walls of so many places that most people call home. Those things, those, those headlines that you read, they were more than just headlines. Behind those headlines were real people. 
When you heard about child abuse increasing greatly during the pandemic, that was real. The statistics bear it out. I've even read some studies that, that in the first 12 weeks of the pandemic, there, were certain, there was a law firm that I read about that saw inquiries for divorce attorneys go up 122% in the first 12 weeks because husbands and wives didn't realize how much they hated each other until they were forced to be with each other more than just a few hours every day. How are things at home? Because it seems like for so many, we've settled for our homes being something less than I believe that God intended them to be. And I deeply believe that home and and family really matters to God. That it is not by accident or coincidence that one of the first things that God, God didn't start this earth by building a church, he built a home. (laughs) He created a marriage and a family, and it was from that family that everything would flow. That God intended home, family, to be a place that built things, that produced beauty, that became something great. And this is something that has always stuck in my spirit. I take 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, really seriously. Do you know this verse? If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? And it just breaks my heart how many pastors' homes end up broken, how many pastors' homes end up in dysfunction. And that's why I will always be Ashley's husband and Aiden and Leah's dad before I'm your pastor. People say to me all the time, well, you know, pastor, it's a a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week job. No, it ain't. Not for me. There are three people that have that that kind of access to me, Ashley, Aiden, and Leah, and that is not you. Because it matters to me. And I've learned the the older I get, the more you realize there is so little in this world that you can control. Amen? You can't control the climate of your office. You can't always be able to shape in full the culture of your school. You can't determine what happens in the political realm. Tight shot. But you have a say over the temperature of your home. And it needs to be something different than perhaps it is. There's a verse, I told you, Isaiah 32, 18. Here it is. Now, I understand that in the context of this verse, it's written by the prophet Isaiah, and it's pointing to what Jesus will establish in the end times when he restores everything. When Y'all know Jesus is coming back. I don't know if you knew that, but he's coming back, and someday all this crap will be defeated, and it'll be over, and he will win. But it says this, my people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. And I understand that that's pointing to the future, but can I just say, I deeply believe that it also reveals the heart of God, amen? That this is God's heart for his children, 
And if this is what God, through Jesus, wants to eventually establish, why not, as believers, we start fighting for what he wants then, now? To put energy and effort in achieving and establishing what he desires for us then, now. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That our homes, pull that verse back up, y'all. I want, to, I, want, I want you to see, I want you to absorb, I, want you, I really do, I want you to highlight it. I want you that my people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. I believe that is God's heart for your home. Whatever it looks like, whether you're single and live by yourself or some roommates, married, kids, whatever, I believe that is God's heart for your home. But what I've discovered is I keep having conversations with people that this is not true for them. That when they cross the threshold of their front door, what they're stepping into is anything but that. And that breaks my heart. And I think it breaks the heart of God. that there are people that couldn't wait for the pandemic to end, and, and not just for the reasons that we all were ready for it to end, but just because there was, their homes are, are not this. They're, they're full of chaos and conflict and tension and abuse and pain. And I'm thinking, how, how are you living like this and staying sane? That I think that God wants your home to be something different. That God has designed and desires for your home to be a place that is a place of beauty. I believe that God wants to have your house become a haven. That your house should be a haven. Have you ever looked up that word, haven? I did it for you. It says, a place of safety, security, comfort a place offering favorable opportunities or conditions. I believe God wants your home to be your haven. That when you cross the threshold of your front door, you're stepping into a place that offers you all those things. But I'm also very, unfortunately, well aware that for far too many that this is not the case. I've had conversations with people that say, I get off work and I drive around for a couple hours just so I don't have to go home. That there are kids when they get on the school bus to head back home, they would rather not. Because the safest place they are was in that school. And I can't, I just can't wrap my mind around it. That you, you could spend all those hours away from this place and only wanting more. And it's starting to make sense to me now why sometimes we pursue the things we do. Well, we're not afraid to work 15, 16, 17 hour days. Because the longer I stay at work, the less I'm at home. And the less I'm at home, the less I have to have those hard conversations or deal with that stuff or answer those questions or resolve those problems or deal with that. And so it's just easier, more convenient to just stay away. I think it's part of even, now, now listen, I'm, I'm all for vacations. I'm all for trips and that kind of stuff. I just got back from the Holden Beach, and people are like, how was the beach? It's still the beach. It's salty and sandy, whatever. 
I mean, my wife can sit on the beach for 18 hours a day, and I'm thinking after eight minutes, I am bored. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you don't need to travel, you don't need to vacate, but I want to build a life that I don't need to escape from. Amen. And I'm not saying that every time you go on vacation, that's what you're doing. But can I say, some of us are. Some of us, that's even the reason why we have these hobbies. It's not just to unwind, it's to escape, it's to avoid, it's to deflect. It's gonna get real in here for the next few weeks, so if it's your first time, thanks for coming. <laughs> I can't imagine that. I can't, I can't imagine getting off work and not looking forward to going home. Because my whole life, like, that's, that's what I've had. Now, let me, I, my, my marriage is not perfect. My kids aren't angels, despite what my mama will tell you. I didn't have the perfect life growing up, but home was a place that I was never afraid. It was a place I got my tail tore up every now and then. That's a whole different sermon, ain't it? But I believe that, that God intentionally designed this place to be that haven because he knew that we would so often have find ourselves in environments where we couldn't control it, where we didn't have a say, where we couldn't dictate terms. And that for our sanity, our spiritual growth, our overall well-being, he established home, he established family to be a place so that when we crossed the threshold of that front door, we could go, where we could be transparent and real, where we could do all the things that were necessary for our growth. Our growth. And I wrote down in my journal that this is, this is what home should be. It should be a place where safety is found. You should never feel more safe than you do inside home. You shouldn't have to worry about physically being hurt or experiencing pain. It should be a safe place for husbands and wives and kids, for friends to come. Like not just for your family, but for your community. Like when you walk in my front door, and don't come unless I invite you, please, okay? And when I invite you to my house and you walk in it, it should be a place where you feel safe. And I should work hard to make it so. Come on, somebody. It should be a place where encouragement is given. And now encouragement ain't always easy. And always saying nice things, it's saying needed things. It's where you're encouraged to pursue who God created you to be, to find his will. I can't imagine people who grew up with parents that don't encourage them. It should be a place where peace is experienced. You know what? The chaos in the world is much more tolerable when there's peace in the home. That was good. Y'all didn't say amen, so I'll say it again. Maybe you will. The chaos in the world is more tolerable when there's peace in your home. You know that. When, when, when you're at work and you know it's crazy and it's tenuous and there's deadlines and all these things, but you know that when you leave, you can put it in the rearview mirror and step inside your home 
and it be peaceful it makes it tolerable. <laughs> it should be a place where truth is learned, where truth is taught. Parents, you realize we're just partners with you, but it is your responsibility to disciple your kids. We want to help. We want to resource. We want to come alongside. But if the only disciple they ship they get from us and not from you, then... <laughs> It's where truth is learned. If the truth we teach isn't modeled in your home, it's the front line that God intended. And your home is where they'll see their first example of marriage and manhood and all the other things that they experience in life. Home is where love should be lived. The mission of this church is inspiring people to live and love like Jesus. That starts inside the four walls of whatever you call home. And I know what some people are thinking. Like, Matt, that sounds like what should be represented in the church. You're right. That the church should be a place where safety is found, where encouragement is given, where peace is experienced, where truth is learned. But can I submit to you that if it is not represented in your home, why should we expect it to be reflected in this house? If it is not represented in your home, how can we expect it to be represented from this house? That what we do collectively is dependent on who you're becoming individually, and your becoming is much determined by what's happening in your home than it is what's happening in this church. If that's what it's supposed to be. But it's not that for so many. I deeply believe the moment I asked that question, how were things at home, it triggered you. <laughs> there are some people in that instance, all of a sudden, you, are, you, you, want, you want to get out. Because you say, Matt, like, I don't want to answer that question. I'm embarrassed to answer that question. Because it's chaos. It's conflict, it's tension, it's all these things and, there, and, and I came here so I wouldn't have to wrestle with that question. How are things at home? Because for far too many people, and what's crazy is this isn't, this isn't just for people who don't go to church or don't claim to know Jesus. It's, it's baffling to me that statistics don't change between people who claim Christ and people who don't. From divorce rate to debt to all the other things that weigh a home down and keep it from becoming what it's supposed to be. And we deeply, as a church, do you know why we do like, like serve the city stuff? Like, you know why we do Thanksgiving meals? It's not because we can give people food and pat each other on the back. It's so that maybe for a moment we can give people an opportunity to sit around a table, have a meal without having to worry about the burden of paying for it, and start stepping towards creating their house the haven that God intended them to be. And if we can help with that, we will. Because we believe that stronger homes in our community will change everything. That the change we're looking for in the world begins within the four walls of what you call home. And I don't know where you are on that spectrum. And see, a lot of people sit in this place and think, we're good. I ain't killed her yet, we're good. 
And see, some of us, like, we settle for that. We settle for, well, nobody's fighting and nobody's yelling. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, at my house, you come stand in my yard some nights, you'll hear some yelling. It's usually my wife. <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't have said that in this service. I said it in first. I forgot she was in this one. <laughs> I love you. What was I going to say next? I don't know. Like, I'm not saying just a home that there's not yelling and there's not fighting. I'm talking about a haven. I'm talking about a place where you know you can go and you can have those hard conversations and you can be transparent and you can talk about the things that are needed and you can feel love and you can do all the things that God intended for that home to be. How different would our world be if our homes were different? But I also deeply believe that the only way for a house to be a haven is to, for it to be a home where Jesus is Lord. I just deeply believe that in my heart, that if your home's gonna be the haven that God designed it to be, it has to be a place where Jesus is Lord. Lord of all. Because Jesus made it very clear. Go to Matthew chapter seven. No, excuse me, before we go there, I want you to look at Psalm 127.1. Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. That the only way we're gonna build a home that becomes a haven, a place where we can find that safety, that encouragement, that peace, that truth, that's like that front line place that we all have just agreed that's necessary, needed, that we want it to be. It has to be a place where Jesus is Lord. And these things just don't just happen. You don't just happen into a home like this. These kind of homes are built with intention. You don't accidentally create this kind of home. And see, most of us, that's the reason why we don't have it. We just, we, we just are, we're just waiting around and we're praying it will happen. And let me say, don't stop praying. This comes a, a time when praying has to transition to doing. If praying isn't leading to doing, you ain't praying right. Because praying leads to God stirring something in your heart and moving in you to, to, to respond and act in obedience. Come on. Like that's, that's, these kind of homes are built with intention. You're not going to stumble into this kind of house. It's not just going to happen without some effort on all the people who live in it. And I don't, again, stop checking out on me, a single people. I know you're thinking this is somebody for married people. Now, this is what you need to know because right now you're building a life that will shape the home you once have. And you have the opportunity right now to do it right. Some of us are going to have to work to repair and fix. Y'all get to build from the ground up. Take it serious. Lean in over the next few weeks because God wants to write some stuff on your heart that will become the foundation of your home. And Jesus said the foundation was important. We looked at this a few weeks ago, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus has said all these things on all these different subjects, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. Yet it did not fall, for it had been founded 
on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and its collapse was great. That Jesus is making it very clear, no matter what kind of home you have, it's going to have to find a way to withstand some storms. He doesn't say if it rains. He doesn't say if you have a rainy day. He says, no, when the storms come, the flood storms that beat against the house, when the floods really start to happen, when you really have conflict, when you have to experience loss, when you go through job transition, when you're asked to move out of the country, when you have kids who become teenagers, like the storms are inevitable. I'm not talking about a house without storms. I'm not talking about a life without rainy days. But I'm talking about a home, a haven built on the proper things so that when the flood waters rise, y'all float together. It's built with intention. Look at me. If you don't fight for the home that you deserve, you'll settle for the one that you don't. If you don't fight for the home that you deserve, You'll settle for the one that you don't. And many people in the room, like, you did that. And it didn't end well. And God's given you some new opportunities. And it's time to make sure that you're leaning into the things needed and necessary to not just build a home, but to establish a haven that becomes all that God intended it to be. Proverbs 24. By wisdom, a house is built and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. My home isn't perfect, but every day when I leave here and I walk across the threshold into my home, I step into a place that I'm glad to be in. And I want that for you. I want that for our community. And now I had about 15 minutes more stuff I wanted to say today that's going to wait till next week. But today there's a couple things that I want you to just admit, to recognize. Y'all can pull that, pull that verse back up again, y'all. Isaiah 32, 18. I want you to believe that you can have this. First, I want you to believe this is God's heart for you. I want you to believe that this is God's heart for your home. Because when you believe that God desires for you, that's the first step to, to actually making it happen. I want you to believe that God desires for you to live in a peaceful dwelling place, in a secure home, in undisturbed places of rest. I want you to believe that's the heart of the God who created you for your home. Number two, I want you to get honest about what your home is like right now. I want you to stop sweeping stuff under the rug. I want you to stop answering that question with that canned, everything's fine. I, look at me, I don't, want, I don't want fine. I don't want fine. I don't want you to have a marriage that just makes it. I want you to have one that thrives. I don't want you to have a home where just there's no yelling. I want you to have a home where you feel like you're experiencing the things that God intended for your house. And today I want you to make a commitment to do your part to see it happen. So you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. I don't know what home looks like for you. 
I don't know what it means, but I know that God wants that place with your single, married kids, no kids. I know that God wants you to have a sanctuary for your sanity, for your spiritual growth. I know he wants you to have that, and I want you to make a commitment to that. And however you need to do that, maybe you need to just sit there and pray. Maybe you need to come on down front with your spouse or your family or your friends or whoever, and you just need to pray. But I just want to finish our time together just making a commitment to not settle for just having a home but to fight to turn our homes into the haven, the secure dwelling places, the undisturbed places of rest that God intended them to be. So whatever you need to do right now in this moment to do that, maybe it means more than just praying right now, maybe it means that car ride home is gonna look different than you thought it would. It's gonna mean having the beginning of some conversations that are long overdue. Maybe you're, you're gonna make a commitment to be careful about who you in a relationship with in single people. To go ahead and set those priorities and values, and we're going to talk about that next week for your home. Establish them now. God, thank you that you created family. You created home. You established it, Lord. It's part of your heart for us, that your heart is for us to have not just a home, but a haven. And Lord, God, I pray that for every person that doesn't have that, who never has had that. God, I pray that you'd help them to know that all they've ever known is not what they have to always know, that they can change it, they can break the cycle, they can establish a home of peace. And God, I pray that you'd help us to fight for the things that matter. You'd help us to be committed to the things that make a difference. And God, I pray that over the next several weeks as we lean into some really hard things, that you would help people to show up and lean in and wrestle with these questions so that we turn our homes into the havens that you desire. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said together, amen, amen. Hey, thank you guys for worshiping with us today. Join us over the next few weeks as we continue to walk through this series. If God is stirring something in your heart and you wanna communicate that with us, please let us know. We wanna come alongside you. If you're online, thank you for worshiping with us. We hope you have an amazing week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.